Welcome to A Life Invested, a podcast dedicated to helping you create the lifestyle of your dreams by investing in people, assets, and yourself. I'm your host, Roger Comstock. All right, my friends. Well, welcome back to A Life Invested. I am super, super grateful to have just an exceptional individual on the show today. He is incredibly talented and has been able to influence uh, I mean, countless people for good in his life. This is Kirby Hayborn. You probably recognize him from a couple movies. Uh, he's a very talented, gifted, skilled actor. He's doing a bunch of voiceover work right now as well for audiobooks, which is super cool. And then he has his own TV show on BYU TV called Making Good. Is that correct, correct brother? Yeah, it's called awesome, Making man. Good. Yeah. I love that. Well, I would love to uh, welcome this this good brother to the show today, and uh, just super super grateful to to have him here. Uh, first and foremost, Kirby, if people want to learn a little bit more about you and follow along with what you're doing, where's the best place for them to go? I'm pretty well. I'm not super active on social media. The one thing I am active on is Instagram, and I guess that bleeds over into Facebook. I don't understand how it works, but so if you want to interact, go to Instagram. And then uh, you can see what I'm up to. The wild world of social media. Yeah. That's awesome. Kirby puts out incredible content. Uh, he's an inspirational person. So I would recommend to go follow this guy. He's doing good things, impacting the world for, uh, for the better and making a positive dent on this place. So I'm super, super thankful to, to know him and really, really you appreciate so it. Nice. And you're doing the same. My goodness. The light that you're bringing to people is great and the inspiration. So you're looking in a mirror. I appreciate you, man. That's kind, really, really kind of you to say that. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Tell me real quick, kind of how you've been able to create the life that you have um, doing what you do. A lot of failure, a lot of hardship, a lot of uh, just keep getting up and doing it the next day. Being an actor is one of the, um, it's a rewarding craft, but it's also for every thousand things that you audition for, you get one. So you hear no a lot. You hear you're not good enough. You're not tall enough. Or in my case, I get you're just way too good looking. And I'd imagine. Yeah, that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so it's uh, people ask, like, how do I get involved in either voiceover or acting or hosting a TV show? And it's I've been doing this now for 21 years and it's 21 years of just not stopping. When one door closes, you got to look and see, oh, there's a little window over here that I can climb into and maybe put my foot in that window and then turn that into a door. I just, ha- I just have had to have been open to every opportunity that I feel like that God has blessed me with. And um, I never thought I'd be an audiobook narrator and that's such a beautiful, satisfying thing. Had I been just provincial in my thinking that I only can be on a sitcom uh, and, or just do movies, then I would have missed this amazing window that I feel God opened up for me being able to do audiobooks. And I've now done, wow, well over a thousand books over the past probably 15 years. And it's, it's an amazing part of my career. That's, a, that's incredible, man. One of the things that you mentioned that I really appreciate, that's been a, a fairly common theme with guests that we've had on the show, is just the importance of failure and viewing it from the correct vantage point. So I think in life, we 
tend to think that everybody views things the same way that we do, right? Stephen R. Covey talks about like wearing a pair of glasses and it, it becomes our paradigm, right? And we think yeah. that everybody else has the same type of glasses on that we do, that they're seeing the world the same way. But unfortunately, a lot of people view failure as kind of a, a wall that will stop them from getting what they want in life instead of a stepping stone that will enable them to become the best versions of themselves. And so how are you able to develop a paradigm about failure that has been so positive? Wow. Well, first off, I think that a lot of people, and I include myself in this and I try not to do it. You look at something and you think there's a possibility to fail. And so you don't even try. And so I tell my kids a lot if they're crying about something that, oh, I, that may happen, whatever. I say, save the tears until you actually get rejected or there's no sense. Right now, you're not rejected. Right now, you're the best person at whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. Save those tears until after you fail. And even then, um, I, I think to get to your question of how have I fostered that, it's just so sad if you let failure get you down and I don't like being sad. So it's um, just, just making sure you, you stay happy and positive and see what you learn. You know, there's a lot of people that say you got to take a leap of faith and you got to, you do, you have to take big leaps of faith in anything that you do, whether it's with a relationship with someone or a career um, or a move to a new town. But a lot of times we expect that when we take that leap of faith, we're going to see a miracle happen immediately. Um, sometimes it's five years later that you see, oh, that step that I took was the right step. And you see that you're blessed after that, after the fact. So you just have to assume that everything will work out. And I've noticed that the majority of my life, I've had that attitude and everything works out may not be that I'm making a million dollars on this project or a, a year or whatever it is. It's still things work out as long as you keep that positive attitude. I love that. That's, uh, that's really insightful. I want to kind of talk a little bit about what you've shared here. There's a, there's a great poem and it's by a guy named John Greenleaf Whittier. And he says of all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these it might have been. Yes. And I love this. I, I love the idea of this simply because a lot of people, to your point, you made such a great point, right? They, they're afraid that they're going to fail. So they never start anything meaningful that they really want to do in life. So they kind of are conditioned to live in this little box that the, the world says they should live in. But human beings are amazing and they can do incredible things. I, I'm of the opinion a person can do anything that they put their minds to. Right, what was that willing. poem again? Say it again. I love that. It's, it's good. huh? It's, it's from a guy named John Greenleaf Whittier. And it says, of all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these it might have been. Yes. And, and so I think we, we find these individuals who say, hey, you know, I'd love to try this. I'm a little nervous right now, so I'll try it next year or I'll try it in five years or 10 years. But unfortunately, time goes much faster than, yeah. we, than we think it does. So so 10 like, years are going to come and go. Dude, so, so. And quick. you're either going to have accomplished what you wanted to do or not accomplished it. They're going to come and go. There's a great book. I forget what it's called. Since I, narr I narrate so many books, I don't read for pleasure really anymore. Um, so my wife reads a lot of books and 
she I'd get the condensed version through her. And she's reading this book right now about this woman who um, she's in a coma. And then she for, there's some weird thing that happens that you can see different scenarios of your life, different choices that you could have made. And then you get to live out that. And then the moment in that, so like there's an angel saying, um, all right, let's see if you would have chosen the path of being in a band instead of doing what you're doing now. And then you live that life for a little bit until you start to regret it. Anyway, I'm ruining the book, but the long story short is she has 10 different opportunities, 10 different choices where she could have changed her path and she gets to choose at the very end. And it's the path that she chose initially. Wow. And it's just realizing don't regret those mis those choices you didn't make, be happy with the choice you made and go all in on that. I wish I could remember the name of the book, but she's, it, I think it's a pretty new book. I just ruined it for everybody. The ending that she wow. chooses her own life, but it's yeah. the life. She had all those options and she says, you know what? I like the life that I actually lived. Yeah. That's amazing. And when you think of the name of the book, let me know. I would love, I would love to read it. Yeah. I absolutely love to read it. Well, it sounds like you're an incredible dad uh, to your kids, <laughs> teaching them, honestly, helping them understand how important it is to be willing to try new things. Right. I think it's, it's interesting as we, you know, as kids, we're so willing to do things that we're not comfortable with. I mean, and we yeah. see this in toddlers learning how to walk. Yes. It'd, be, it'd be very, very odd if, you know, a kid fell down is like, I'm never going to try walking again because that was right. embarrassing. You know, and so we see people hauling around 30 year olds on their shoulders because no one was willing to get up and walk again. But it's it's odd because as we as we grow up and it starts so young, you know, we, we cut we go into this education system that basically indoctrinates people to believe that failure is wrong, that it's bad, that they should feel shameful for failing when really it should be celebrated. Uh, one of the practices that I want to employ when we do have kids is sitting around the dinner table. And instead of just asking, hey, tell me what went well in your day, I want to ask, hey, where did you fail today? And what did you learn? Oh, that's great, Roger. That's great. It'll be it'll be cool, I think. I don't we'll see how it goes. I, I yeah. feel like life is a bit of a mad science experiment. And so we'll see how it goes. But one thing um, that we we do that every night at dinner. Um, and one of the things that my wife added to it is um that kind of goes along those lines. It's we talk about our favorite part and what service did you render that day? What service did you do? I love and it that. helps them realize that you don't have to do, and that speaks to the show making good that I do. It isn't necessarily the big, huge service project that you organize for a few weeks and then you spend a whole day uh, executing it. It's what little service, what did you push someone's cart back to the cart return? It's teaching our kids that you can do service every single day in just small and tiny ways. I, do that. I love that. Add in, adding in, uh, where did you fail today? And what did you learn from that? And how are you going to be better? I, that's great. Well, thanks, man. I love what you just uh, taught everyone. Because I think what's important for people to kind of move from their head down into their heart and who they are as people is that we, we become... Um, who we are supposed to become by just being willing to do small things consistently. Mm -hmm. And I think our character is really found in inconsistency and that, that small act of being consistent will compound 
over a lifetime. So it's not like you said, it's not like, oh man, I've got to go do this ginormous thing for somebody. And it, and it doesn't need to be monetary either. It doesn't need to be, I'm going to give away a bunch of money. It could be as simple as like you said, uh, the, the cart return. I love that idea or just a, a compliment right now. I just um, initiated about a month ago, something called the G3 challenge, which has been fun on social media. And what we do is we focus on gratitude. We focus on growth and we focused on, we focus on giving. And so what we, we have the individuals who are participating in the challenge. They write down three things they're grateful for every single day. And they read a book every day for 10 minutes, something that'll help them become better. And then they just do something for somebody else that is meaningful. And like you said, it doesn't need to be big. It could just be telling your sweetheart, Hey, you look beautiful today or whatever it is. And it makes a big difference. It changes kind of the way you live life, which is a lot of fun. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is for you? You seem like a very grateful person. How has that changed you? And how's that made you better being grateful, having expressing gratitude? It's a good question. I'll ask you after I answer too, because I'd love to hear, hear your answer. I, I think life is so good. And I just feel, uh, how did you get there though? Because so many people say, no, it isn't. Life is horrible right now. How did you get to that point to be able to, to say that? I think primarily what, what it's, it's a, it's an intentional mindset shift that requires some action. Mm -hmm. And I feel like any, any sort of, uh, what everyone else is doing, it's usually best to go the other direction in most yeah. cases. Yeah. Right. And we become, we grow when we're willing to get uncomfortable. Uh, and I think when we're focused on what we have in comparison to what we don't have, we'll be a lot happier. If we focus on what we can control in comparison to what we can't control, we'll also be much happier. And if we try to find opportunities to feel uh, meaning and purpose in every moment of life, instead of always looking towards the next big thing, the next big thing. Yeah. It makes life so, so good. We also realize, I think that true, true happiness stems from, I think, creating as much meaning and purpose for others as we can. And so there's a lot of people in thankless jobs, you know, doing things that are really challenging, uh, a lot harder than what I do for work. And they very rarely get thanked. You know, and so to, to somebody that's serving you food or something, I, I think it's important to express gratitude and appreciation for what they're doing because it's, it's not fun, but they, uh, they do it anyway. And you know, when um, you do that, you see a difference, right? You see, like, they go from hunched over serving the food to a, a happiness and someone saw me. They do. Yeah, they do. And it has a mutual effect, I think, for both parties. So when I find that I am insanely happy when I'm looking for opportunities to express gratitude uh, for, for, the, for the small things, right? Like watching a sunset or being able to hang out with my dog or watching a show or, or being able to help somebody else or whatever it, it may be. It, it, like you said, it makes them happy, which in turn kind of creates uh, the same feeling in, in the person willing to give it. What right. makes what makes you uh, grateful, Kirby? Um, well, I I just I was taking some notes while you were talking that I want to implement into my life. I love being grateful and showing gratitude. You have to be intentional. You can't just passively sit back and expect to be thankful. You've got to look for 
a miracle and small miracles, or you got to look for something to be thankful for. You can't just be passive and grateful. And I, and I love that. And then to expound on that a little bit more, and you had said Please. this too, it, that prompts you to act then and to say thank you to someone, because that is amazing that we live in a country where you can go to a, a restaurant or um, if you're at a service opportunity and they're serving you food, that's amazing that you're getting that food. And if you are intentional and you say, thank you, it makes them happier. I love um, saying thank you to people who don't expect it. And it's, I, I wish it were altruistic, but it's so selfish. I love the buzz that I get when um, we just had some, uh, a couch delivered yesterday and um, given the guys just a, a Gatorade and then, you know, a small tip and then a saying, being genuinely grateful, he like, like he was just short of breaking down, you know? And it's just a guy that usually people look at them as, oh, he's dirtying up my house. He's bringing in whatever furniture. And he said, this means so much. Thank you. Like he looked me in the eye and selfishly it was so awesome. That buzz like, yes, I made his day today. You know, so I, I don't know. For me, gratitude sometimes it starts from a very selfish standpoint when you're being thankful to people because um, it gives me that buzz. It gives me that high. I love it. And I appreciate that a lot. That's a great comment. And it's something I think that's it's worth considering for an individual who may be feeling like, man, I want a little bit more out of life. What they can do is is look at those three things that we've talked about here, gratitude, growth, and giving, and figure out if one of those things is out of whack. It's really interesting. I speak at these events and I tell individuals that I'm speaking to, I tell them all to close their eyes at the beginning of uh, kind of the event. And I say, think of the thing that's most important to you. The thing that matters the very, very most. I let them kind of think about it for a second. And then I tell them to open their eyes. And I just say, raise, raise your hand if you thought of money. Right. And it never, right. It's very, very, very right. few, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's say money. Um, it's, it's an, it's an interesting thing because it's the, the, one of the paradoxes of life is that we're constantly chasing this thing. That's not the most important. It's not going to be. Yeah. It's wild. Like it's, it's absolutely wild. And so I think when, when somebody, if they can just find time to really consider and think about what matters most to them and what they want to invest their life into doing and who they want to become, they can then create an action plan to right. get there. Uh, Isn't that interesting? When, when you're thinking just with your eyes open and you're not thinking too hard, there's that little guy, um, you think it is money that's driving you. And so like, if you were to ask, you'd raise your hand right now, like, oh yeah, it's money that is, is what I want. But I, I've realized it's more, it's relationships and it's helping those relationships that you already have and then working on those first and then going outwards from there. Um, and this, is, I, this has been just a, a thought shift for me probably in the last six months that I've realized I've let my relationship with my siblings kind of go downhill because you focus on your wife, you focus on your kids. And then you focus on the people in your neighborhood and then the people that are your family, they were your core that kind of shaped you, made your, help you build your sense of humor, your work ethic and stuff. You kind of let those 
relationships go to the side and not everybody does that, but I was guilty of that. And I've been doing, I feel better than I have in the past years, uh, reaching out to my siblings and just saying, um, just getting to know them better and trying to be a part of their life again. And it's enlivened me. It's made me feel better and hopefully it's made them feel better too. But yeah, it's never, it, it isn't the money. You think it's the money that you want to invest in, but I've learned it's the relationships and the most important ones are those immediate relationships. Don't forget about your siblings. I love that message, man. It's so important. One of the things that uh, can help an individual to kind of create a life that is full of purpose, right? And like legitimate, authentic happiness is considering what they want to be like on the last day of their life. Yes. Right? And, and how, how they're going to build that life. Because to your point, like when I am, uh, I've mentioned this in the podcast before too, but when I'm like on my deathbed, I, I want to be holding my sweetheart's hand and I yeah. want her to be able to say like this guy, he was obsessed with me. He loved yeah. me. Yeah. He invested all of as, as much time as he could with me. We would, we made memories together and he wasn't obsessed with money. Now we I'm grateful. Money's not bad. We make a lot of money, which I'm grateful for, but it's not what drives anything. Zig Ziglar, it's really, really interesting. He said, you can have anything in life that you want as long as you're willing to help other people get what they want. Yeah. And if somebody chooses to kind of use that as their life track, there's a great, there's a great book by a guy named Clayton Christensen, uh, a great business mind. And it was called, how will you measure your life? And if, if somebody isn't careful, life can kind of choose how it will be measured by the individual living it, right? And, and, if, and it's usually down the path of least resistance, right? So an individual will right. be conditioned to think, hey, chase money, chase, uh, you know, the flashy things, all the lights, and th they can get, you know, towards the end of their life and realize, wait a minute, what happened, you know, to the things that really mattered, right? Uh, and so... I think to your point before too, you made a you, you made a, uh, a a great point earlier where we just have to be very intentional about how we're investing our time. How do you do that? Uh, how do you remind yourself? Because you for, you forget from day to day. What do you do to stay motivated and think all the way to my deathbed? Do you have a reminder on your phone? What do you do to remind you every day? Or are you already in that mindset every day? That's a great question, man. Um, people look at their phones 344 times a day, which is crazy. Uh, and, and so it's odd, but before we used to have, you know, our bathroom mirrors would be the place where we would put our goals. <laughs> right, you know, right. But we'd only go see those, you know, three or four times a day. So we can use this, uh, <clears throat> this tool, our phones, that can be a vice, if we're not careful, as a virtue by putting the things that matter most on like our, our lock screen, right? And that way we're going to be intentionally seeing them and programming our subconscious to be able to create this life that we want to live every single day. And I, I think when I, when I look at mindset and how powerful it is, it, we look at if somebody were to build a home without a blueprint, it's going to be really, really challenging to uh, get at all what, what they would like, right? There has to be some sort of blueprint. And if they follow that blueprint, they're going to get a beautiful home. Right, and someone, right. so, yeah, someone's life is, is, uh, very, very similar. They may say, Hey, I want to make, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars in a month. Anyone can do that. They can do that. Right. But they need to craft a way to be able to make it happen. Or they may say, I want to be the very best dad in the entire world. 
right? I want to be able to make sure that my kids understand how special they are to me, how much I value this relationship, how much I love them. And then it's like, so there's the, that's the outcome we're looking for. What I think is so cool is that an individual has the ability to reverse engineer what that relationship might look like and get really granular about actions that can be taken to, to make that happen. Um, I love that. What about you? What do you think about that? What do you do to kind of stay? I have, there's a quote by Thomas S. Monson that I have is the first thing that comes up on my phone every day. And it says, and he said that he had this on his refrigerator and it's uh, today is my day of opportunity. Do not let it go to waste. I love that, man. So that greets me. So when I start my day, I look at that and I think, okay, I'm tempted right now to just go on Instagram and hang out for an hour or so. Um, Or I've been given this, uh, another opportunity, another day, and I shouldn't let it go to waste. So I I use my phone. I have that. And then I have a thing in the afternoon to remind me. um, uh, There's a a song that says, uh, have I done any good in the world today? So every day at three, I get a reminder on my phone to remind me, it says, have I done any good in the world today? So I have those two reminders on my phone that I, you'd think that I would just remember. And, and this goes to, I'm reliant on my phone now to help me be, have good habits, but uh, it's that first thing. And then mid afternoon, and then I make sure, okay, I got to do something today. I love that. So would you say, cause I think a lot of individuals would, would look at you and say, Hey, he's so lucky, right? Like he's been able to do these fun movies. He does his voiceover work, but I know if, if we were to get granular about the steps that you were willing to take in order to get there, it would be that, like we had talked about before, that it was challenging, right? You went through struggles. There was probably tears and a lot of fear throughout that process. Doubts. Um, Doubts. Yeah, totally. And so what habits have you been able to create that have enabled you to be able to kind of build up this life that you have that listeners will be able to say, okay, I kind of want to do that in my life too. I know who I am and what I can do. I'm not going to try to be Brad Pitt. Nobody really wants to see me with my shirt off, you know, unless it's a comedy, but uh, I I know what I can do. And it's uh, be, uh, I, I know the type of character I can play. So I stopped pursuing those things that won't give me any uh, reward or I wouldn't find any success trying to be something I'm not. And that took a while. It's understanding who I am and being the best me I, I can be. Nobody else can be me. And then when I do that, then I can market that. So when someone's looking for a particular voice for a book or someone's looking for a particular type for a movie or a TV show, I can say, you might be looking for a dark haired six, five. Um, what I can offer is I'm going to be really friendly. People will want to root for me. I'm under, I'm five ten and got blonde hair. You know, that's, that's what I can offer. And I'm happy offering that. And if they don't, it took a while because 21 years of hearing no, it takes a while to say, this is what I can offer. And if they reject what I'm offering, it's not rejecting me and my soul and my spirit, they're just saying that's not the offering. They can go to Walmart and choose a bunch of different types of eggs. None of those egg brands are like, oh, well, this has a bad reflection on me. It's just what fulfills my need. This week I need brown eggs or this week I need double grade A 
eggs, you know? So being confident in who I am and being the best me and being happy with this is what I can offer. If you don't like it, that's sad for you, <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to take it as a personal affront. So let me dig just a little bit deeper because I think there's, there are a lot of people uh, and this is unfortunate, but it's the truth. There's a lot of people who they just don't know where they, who they are. Right. And that, that affects self-confidence and it affects their ability to really understand what their potential is. And Mark Twain said the two most important days in your life are the day that you're born and the day that you figure out why. And what I love about what you shared is that it seems like you figure that out. Yeah. Right? Like you, you know what you're doing here and you are changing the world for good. And, and that is, it's, I love that about what you're doing, Kirby. I think it's really meaningful. It is. You find every day I wake up so grateful that I get to do that, that I get to shine a light on other people making a difference in the world and be a small part of it. Well, well, dude, I, I love that. And you kind of, I mean, you kind of glow, man. I I wish people could see they're gonna be listening to a podcast, but you've got, I mean, you look just like a light, right? Which is, (laughs) which is a good thing. And I'm sure that's attributable to what you're doing in your life, which is stellar. And so what would you say advice wise to individuals that are trying to figure out who they are, where they belong, what they should be doing. A good example, like these college kids, right? They're going to go, let's say they're going through their collegiate experience. They're going to change their majors like five times. Like maybe I want to be a doctor. Maybe I want to do uh, a rocket scientist, an engineer, whatever it is, they change it and they just get, they're filled with confusion, right? And I'm sure you probably went through something like that. I know yeah. I did. I have I a degree to, in economics and I'm an actor. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So how, how did you kind of figure that out? through failure, man. Back to failure. Yeah. Back to failing. I tried to be something I wasn't, I failed and then I regrouped and you just, you do internalize. I think everybody should go through a casting process, um, whether it's for a play or a TV show or whatever, just to see, to find their authentic self, see what they have to offer. Um, I, I think it is like just a lot of failure and then you just regroup and then see, okay, what there there's in theory, this works and in hindsight it works, but in the middle of it, it, if you would have told me this, I would have said, you know, go someplace else. This doesn't work for me, but there's a Venn diagram, you know, where you put what your skills are, what the world needs and what brings you joy. And somewhere in the middle they're all going to come together where your skill sets, where your, what the world needs and what brings you joy. There's a small circle. And if you can find that, and for me, like I said, if somebody would have told me that I would have been angry that I was, don't make me do homework. Just tell me what I should do. Um, but in hindsight, now I see where all of those intersect and right in the middle is that of that Venn diagram is, is that circle of what the world needs, what I can offer and where I find joy. Yeah, that's a, that's really insightful. I think it allows an individual to understand that uh, there, every, everybody plays an important part, right? In, in life, they, they, everyone has something to contribute and everyone, when I look at a human being right uh, genuinely authentically i think they are amazing right yeah. they are special and valuable and important and they are they can do so many uh meaningful things for their own lives and for other people and it's just uh like 
like you said, it's kind of figuring out what that intersection looks like. And right. I also feel like it, it's a. Uh, and sorry to interrupt, man. I know please, you're in the middle. No, of the I love this, man. Please do. I, I want to learn. Because, or were you just born that way? Were you born that way, being able to look at people and say, oh, you're a valuable human being, a valuable life? Or did you have to work at that? How did you get there? That's a great, man. That's a great question. I, I think, you know, I, I grew up uh, and went through some challenges, right? And, and it allowed me to feel empathy, um, mm-hmm. like real empathy for people that are sure. I had severe anxiety. I mean, severe anxiety. Really? Yeah. I went to therapy for that. Um, and it was, it was good. And so when I see somebody having a difficult time, the first thing I want to do is just give them a, you know, excuse me, just give them a huge hug, you know, um, and just help them understand how good they are. Right. And I think, um, you see yourself in that person. Is that why? a good question uh i think i see the pain that they might be feeling and pain's not fun to experience and so i want to help them not feel it um but i recognize that it is the struggle there's a great book uh, you maybe you've read it uh it's by a guy named ryan holiday and it, he it's entitled the obstacle is the way and dr seuss the man i mean he was a great yeah. children's literature uh fellow but he was also a, an exceptional philosopher and he he said to people, um, oh, he said, you're off to great places. Today is your day. He says, your mountain is waiting. So get on your way. And I think that is that one little chunk is something that people breeze over too quickly. It says your mountain is waiting. It's inevitable. There's a mountain there. Yeah, and it's good that there is. It's yeah. really good there is. You know because- what? It is good. It's, And I'm not saying that it's good that you suffered anxiety and had those uh, problems in your, in your younger years, but it's making you a tool for good now and bringing you happiness and bringing other people happiness because you, maybe you haven't overcome that mountain. Maybe you're still on it, but you've trained your muscles now and you know how to do step after step going up this mountain. Um, or at least tra- training in the process, right, in the right, process right. of, but I, that's beautiful, yeah. Roger, that that's the, your mountain is what makes has made you this sympathetic, empathetic person that can help other people. That's great, dude. Thank you, man. I, I feel like that that is not uh that that is not something that is individual to me. I think everybody yeah. uh, goes through things that allow them to become that, that allows them to be who they're supposed to be. It's really interesting. I, I've been. Uh, I'm going to be finishing writing this book uh, on gratitude, growth, and giving. And one of the, in my research, I had never known this previously, but I found that I just assumed like acorns, they just automatically grew up to be trees. That was just what they did, right? If there's an acorn, it becomes a tree. It's and a that's tree. not, yeah, it's not the case. There's only one, one in 10,000 acorns becomes an oak tree. What? Is that crazy? Dude, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. And so what I love about this idea is if we look at this metaphorically for individuals that we, we come in contact with, we recognize that an acorn starts this big, right? Like an inch across, and it has to go through a whole lot of things in becoming that tree. It has to literally shatter where it was before. It's got to break out of where it was and be cracked and opened up and destroyed, right? What it was before is you, it's unrecognizable from where it 
becomes you, you could you, if you didn't know it you would never look at an oak tree and say i bet that thing was an acorn once yeah yeah you're right and i look at people and when i see a, a person i see an oak tree right? like i see who they they can be they right can and i and i want them to get there more than anything like more than anything um and they, they deserve it i know you feel the same way like you, they deserve that you, right? there like, are moments in our life and i've i've felt this a handful of times, but there's an overwhelming love for humanity and other people. And I wish I could have that every single day when I look at somebody. Um, my wife is a beautiful example of that, to take water out to somebody that's working in their yard that maybe is someone I, I wouldn't really want to interact with. Um, but it's it, those moments where you can look at someone and just love them. That's one of the greatest feelings. And I love being able to feel that. I do too. I feel like that is a, a measure of, tr of true wealth. Yeah. Life, right. Like, like of, of, of living a life that is when, when Clayton Christensen asked, you know, in the title of his book, how will you measure your life? Yeah. I think when I think of success, I do not think of simply money. I think that's a piece. I think primarily it's a small piece. I think the larger piece is the way that we're viewing the world and the way that we're, we're viewing others. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it's, uh, it's important. And, and Tony Robbins, he's, I mean, he's great. We will, we'll, uh, we can end here in the next little bit. I don't want to keep y'all. I've loving talking to you. This has been so oh, meaningful for me, dude. So thank you. But he, uh, he talks about how a lot of people, again, they're kind of wearing these, these glasses, looking at the world through a vantage point of life is happening to me. And he says, life doesn't happen to you. He says, life happens for you. Like every mm -hmm. single thing that people go through happens for them. And if they can start to see things that way, they start to understand that, uh, that they're, they're being built, right? There's a great quote. You probably, I know, you know, it from uh, CS Lewis about, you know, we think that God, right. Is creating this little cottage out of our lives, but he's, he's building a mansion and he intends to live there, you know? And so it's, and that's going to require some, some challenges, you know, and being That's, willing to bend and break. Exactly. That's funny. I, uh, one, one aspect of the show making good. Um, one thing that I, knowing who I am and what I can give when we were coming up with the show, one aspect of it was I, I'm, so one of the things that I get to do on making good, it goes back to knowing who I am and what I can offer. Um, I'm a songwriter and one of the things that when we were coming up with the idea, I said, I would love to write a song specific for the organization and give that as a gift to them. And uh, I've now done that. I don't know how, but I've done it 40 times. And it's wow. usually when my boots are on the ground, when I'm there with the organization for the week that I get inspiration. And then I have just a couple of days to come up with a meaningful song that has to do with them. Anyway, one of them uh, was this organization that takes at-risk youth and makes them an, a, a tree, makes them an oak tree. And one of the lines that is, is, is exactly what you just said, that um, you need to bend where you won't get broken. So um, anyway, I took the idea of a guitar. A guitar is a piece of wood that doesn't know what it's going to be. And there's a luthier that bends it puts it against a hot bar and bends it into shapes it doesn't want to go into. And so I took that thought of 
putting your life into a higher power's hands and having faith. And for me, that's a big part of my life is um, having faith in God and letting him bend me just to the point where I don't get broken. And then I become something better. Um, but I, I just love that. So the fact that you said bend and not break, that's so true. Well, I'll tell you, um, this, this man, I could chat with you all day. This is so good. I wanted to share maybe just uh, one last thought and ask you one more question, then we'll okay. we'll hop out of here. This is so good. Um, first of all, I mean, before I say anything else, I ought to say if you if you haven't listened to Kirby's music, you, you ought to. It's he's insanely gifted. I'm sure he's worked very very hard. Uh, his music is amazing, right? So you ought to go look at that. Uh, it's it's great, um, and I loved what you shared about that kind of the idea of like the luthier molding. I think that's super super cool. Um, one of the things that a Harvard professor found out is that 90% of the success or failure that we experience in life is generally attributable to who we invest our time with, which oh. is really, really interesting. So I, I've got some amazing friends uh, and there's a, and I'd have no idea how I got so uh, fortunate to know these good people. Uh, there's a great, uh, there's a great quote that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And so I was with an individual over this past week and, and he has, he has done, I, I mean, I have no idea how he's been able to do what he's done in his life. He owns the largest or owned the largest coaching program in the entire world. Is this um, Randy? Randy, Randy Garn. Yeah. What a beautiful man. Yeah, he is. He's the best. So um, him and I were up in his office uh, this past week and he told me some things about what he does on a daily basis. I'm going to share them. He, I hope it doesn't embarrass him. He's just as he's the most Christ-like person that I know. Uh, we were sitting up there, and he's got all he kinds glows of too, doesn't he? He glows. Oh yes, he does. He Sorry, does. I'm going to take notes while you're saying this. Go. No, you're right though. You're you're exactly right. He does. So we're sitting in his office, um, and he's got two statues. Uh, sitting there for other people. He's going to be delivering. And they're the most meaningful. They're, they're the statue of this, this man who's part of this mountain. And he's, he's like carving himself out of a mountain. It's yes. really, have you seen it? Yes. It's amazing. It is so cool. And he's giving those as gifts to people. And then he told me, and he invited me up to his office just to, just to chat. He's become a great friend. It was just to hang out. There was no real business reasons behind it. It was just to hang out. Um, and he, uh, he told me what he does. And the reason I'm mentioning this is I think an individual who wants to live a particular life, they ought to find models, right. That they can follow and say like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I want that what they have. So I'm going to be trying to kind of follow their footprints and what Randy does every single day, which I could, I mean, he writes, he writes five individualized personal letters to people every single day for me to write one is a lot like, and what, I, what's in it. Is it thankfulness? Is it, what do I see in you? What does he put in those? They're, they're, uh, they're personal, which is really, I was uh, the recipient of one of those letters one day and it was so kind. They come, uh, he put a really, really nice journal inside of it, uh, a, a book, um, and so he took me from the room we were in his office into another room, just full of books, all of these books. And there's tons and tons of copies of each book so that he can just give them away books that have been impactful for him. And he makes it a priority to do this for people uh, all the time. And I just think, man, 
this is someone that I want to be like. And uh, it's, uh, it's inspiring to be able to meet. I, I say this because I feel the same way about you. After being on the show, I, I look at you and I think, man, this guy is, uh, I mean, he's funny. I love the movie. I love the movies you've done, but you are, you are a good person, oh, like thanks. a truly good person, right? And it's, it's, you. you're kind, man. You're, you're very kind. But I think uh, people could learn a lot from your example of giving and doing, uh, doing good. Um, and so I just wanted to express uh, my gratitude to have you on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure and privilege to, to have you here, Thank Kirby. You. I just love and appreciate you, man. It's been a pleasure, man. And I've learned so much. That's great. Likewise. I'm thankful. Dude. I've grown and I'm going to go give. Ah, uh, dude. Hey, well, I, I, uh, I have learned a ton from you. So thanks. Thanks a ton, man. We'll have to do something, grab some lunch or something in the future. I'd love that, man. Thank you. You bet. You're the man. Thank you.